My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. seven years old, she died of pneumonia. Early in April 1923, two doctors operated in her farm home in Missouri and removed a rib and part of a lung to remove the infection. They slipped a door off its hinges to serve as an operating table. Jewel's father, Orvie Elliott, had died only three years before, and the child's mother prayed that she might not have her daughter taken from her as well. But Jewel heard one of the doctors say, No use now, she is gone. When the girl found herself walking across a footbridge into a beautiful place which she thought must be heaven, at the end of the footbridge stood her father with an angel. Go back, Julie May, he said in a gentle voice. Your mother needs you. Miss Hooker writes that she protested and said that she wanted to stay there with him in that beautiful place. Childlike, I turned to the angel and said, I want to see Jesus. She smiled and said, Not this time. You have a lot to do yet, and your mother is waiting. My father urged, Go back now. You can come later. We will all be together later on. The child seemed to walk back to the room in the farm home where the doctor stood over her mother. Miss Elliot was holding the physical body of Jules in her arms and sobbing over and over again. Thank you, God. She exclaimed. When she was older, Jewel learned that she had been dead for 15 minutes. That was just one of many incredible examples of spontaneous out-of-the-body experiences. Have you ever felt the sensation of peeling out of your body? Tonight, we have astral projection practitioner, pro-podcaster, radio host, and void walker Joe Roop on the program to help us better understand our astral abilities. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And enjoy this conversation with Joe Roop. Robert Monroe went out of body. And when other people have reported going out of body, when they really started to learn to explore further, as they would come into certain challenges... Like he would have beings that would stick to him that he couldn't peel off or he would get into fights or stuff like that. Just barriers in the astral realm. Some of them that were scary. Beings would come and help him. Some of them were like hooded. Like he didn't even know who they were or whatever. Later on, as you get into the books, 
just to make a long story short, you realize that these beings that were coming to help him were, were, were it was him. It was another higher version of him that he wasn't aware of. Right. So it's kind of funny to me that both sides, <clears throat> without communicating to each other, the occult world and the scientific conscious explorers of like Monroe and these people are having these experiences or discussing these things and they're happening. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, here we are back again on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and with me today is a three-time returning champion of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, Thunderdome. He is the man behind Fringe FM and the voice from the South, the mouth from the South down there with the show you know and love, Lighting the Void, and I'm happy to have him back here on the show to talk about some things that recently came up in my mind, in my life. I thought to myself, after listening on a certain podcast, I wonder what I can do to branch out in the astral realm. I wonder what I can do to explore those boundaries. Because I heard somebody make the comment on a podcast that, well, when I go to sleep, sometimes I wake up in the same dream I was in the night before. And that to me really struck a chord because I realized like there are other people who have totally different experiences with that realm. Me, I, I feel like I'm very narrow minded with the experiences I've had. You know, most of my dreams are sort of temporary in and out, wake up, done. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Let me end my little opening rant there and introduce you joe everybody should know you by now you've been on the show before but how's everything going down there in florida oh bro the struggle is real but it's all an adventure right so i'm still trying to get in better health getting better stability i'm still processing the earth element as any i guess you could say old school golden dawn practitioner would would tell you you know I'm still trying to process that, and hopefully by the end of all this, I'll be golfing, surfing, and loving. Yeah, that's a lofty goal. doesn't seem all that out of reach, but you got your hands dirty and your hands full, a lot on your plate. Before we get into the conversation, tell folks a little bit about what's going on. You've been doing Fringe FM for quite a while now and Lighting the Void as well. What's new with the show? Well, the show used to be like a five night a week thing, but I'm trying to figure out where my creative, because, you know, I, I changed the station to music and talk, right? So we have an app and a website. And a lot of times you might go to the app and it doesn't work, or then you go to the website and it works, right? Or vice versa. And it's because I have to be true to myself here, right? Like I have this vision for the Fringe FM and it, it, it it's all coming together. And when it does come together, I think it's going to be a good thing. And you know the vision, right? Fringe.fm is I'm a radio fan. I want people that 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 love radio and people that love to listen to audio and let their mind do the visualizing, so to speak, or just be entertained by audio and have that old school radio feel. Meanwhile, have 
people like you and me from the alternative field just kind of throw our stuff in there, right? Like, so I'm trying to, I'm just in a wally wop of like comedy and music plus the serious talk of stuff too. And try, I'm trying to work things out. And as David Dadia says in his books, so he's got a lot of books about spiritual men. Sometimes we go after a goal and we hit a vision and then some other inspiration happens and we can't force it. So we were trying to like, let it happen. Right. And the fringe FM has always been that platform. It's been a platform for, for that, for others, for you, just like alt media United is a podcast platform. You know, it, it's, it's always an experiment. It's always a journey and lighting the void. I'm still going to do, but I want it to be on the radio, but I'm still experimenting with that too, man, because I feel like I've talked to so many people now. I've ranted so much that I'm trying to find what's next with it, you know? Right. Well, and things do seem to be moving in the direction of short form, very quick clips and all this. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting at the same time that TikTok is at an all-time high, shows like Joe Rogan's podcast, which goes for three to four hours in some cases, are ranked number one, right? So at the same time that it seems like the younger audience is looking for the short attention span type stuff, there's this whole huge group of people like myself who migrated away from traditional media consumption and found their way back to radio, found their way to podcasting, found their way to, you know, media that's only available online. So yeah, I love it. I love to hear that you have a comedy, a focus on comedy. I'd love to talk to you more about that later, but when it comes, when it comes to fringe FM and lighting the void, you really have created an awesome niche for what I think is some of the most compelling topics and guests that this field offers, right? You, you kind of have found a nice little niche. How would you describe your niche? Because I, I feel like it, it's somewhere in between mystical conspiracy with a little bit of spirituality through, thrown in. So I'm not, so it doesn't really have a niche per se. I've been, to be honest with you, the more I try to move, into that niche thing, the, the harder my life gets, right? Like I'm a, so lining the void is, is me and I'm a complicated, beautiful mess, just like every other human being. Right. So I know that it would probably be more successful if I stayed like with magic and the occult or the out of body stuff and just through 20 or 30 minutes stuff here and there and had the best top name guests on. And, but I never, I never got into it for any other reason than to explore what was going on with me. And if other people vibed with that, then we, we talked about it. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it is. Like sometimes people ask me to go speak about the occult or the out of body thing. Like when I went to Shasta and we did the you know, out of body stuff. Last year I tried to help people get out of body. And this year I talked all about hermetics and the Kabbalah and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just a beautiful, complicated mess of a journey. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and I apologize for the, the tough question there. Cause it is tough to, to answer that. I feel like I can say the same thing where we kind of go all over the place with this show and there's something to that, you know, each, 
individuals, reflection of perspective and whatnot. But you are the guy that I've turned to more more than once for advice, specifically in the realms of maybe we can call it psychology, maybe metaphysics and where those two overlap. And you have a, a, a very solid ground from which you see the world. I know you don't always feel like you're on solid ground from our conversations together, but but I, I have to hand it over to you that you, you're a calm, stabilizing presence, at least in my life, and I think there's no other person that I would want to help usher in an out-of-body experience. Now, on that note, I was recently talking to a guy named Ike Baker. I mentioned him on the phone with you. He's a temple chief at the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn somewhere in on the East Coast. And and we were talking about the importance of initiation and the importance of, in his mind, why people should go about learning the esoteric arts in a group setting rather than individually. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on that as somebody who's, you know, trained in the Robert Monroe work and, you know, has taught people this in some form through your show and, and now recently in person. What do you think about that? you think books and podcasts are enough or do you think people should go about this sort of work in a group setting? I think it's a, it's kind of cliche, but I think it's up to the individual there's always an egregoric energy with a group setting, right? Like, so whoever's involved with the group, if you're doing a real like golden dawn initiation, whoever's involved with the group and the lineages to that group and where it goes back to and all of that stuff. And I don't know if you've had Mark Stavish on your program or not, but you should, you know, he's pretty good. He understands I'd like to, it. Yeah. There's an egregoric energy to it. Right. So there's, there is a power and a, a whole process to having like that, I guess you could say companionship of this egregoric energy that you're working together with people because relationships are mirrors, right? So this is how we learn from each other and grow together. And at the same time, the hermetic journey and especially the golden dawn journey will always be an, an individual journey of self-transformation. So, it, both parts should be equal, right? But I would say, like, if you're going to, if you're going to be initiated by a group, you should really understand that this isn't just like a club or whatever. Like, the stuff that you're getting into will dive deep into your psyche and deep into your psychology and deep into your world and shake up your foundations. And that's what initiation does, is it helps you grow. So, do you want to experience hardships and failures and not, and I don't mean to scare people, but important things that you need to work out through yourself with these people mm. so that you can develop your sense of awareness, you can develop your consciousness and you can develop your psychic ability and intuition. Right. Because that's what we're, that's the war that we're actually learning to fight right now to win, you know? Well, and, and that seems like a very personal journey, which is why when I was confronted with that advice from Ike to, you know, tread the safer path and go about it with a group, I thought, hmm, maybe Joe would have a contrasting opinion to this because 
it definitely feels like there are dangers with going out of the body. We've talked about that, and I want to get into some of those dangers today. But I wonder if having like an, an adept or someone with an apprentice, right, somebody who's overseeing the out-of-body experience, I wonder if there's a, a level of safety there where, you know, if something does go wrong, you have someone who's also capable of going out-of-body and retrieving that person's, you know, soul if they get lost out there somewhere, right? So I don't want to put the cart before the horse because there are some stories that we can get into. I know you have a couple to share, but maybe we we can get into this topic easily with just like a quick 101. I mean, for people who are totally new to out-of-body experience, I mean, this is something you can do with meditation. This is something you can do without drugs. So let's talk about it. Well, first, you, the only way to, like you asked earlier, like is podcasts and discussions enough? Well, they're definitely an important part, but the only way to differentiate between the bullshit and the fake shit is through having the courage enough to experiment with this stuff practically. And that comes with anything, right? Psychedelics, occult, out-of-body stuff. It's cool to talk about, but if, you, if you're not willing to ride the rides, you don't get the prizes, right? So we get a lot of, there's a lot of talk and discussion on this stuff, and I think that's necessary. But essentially why people as a whole on an unconscious level are talking about this stuff on the deepest unconscious level is because they're trying to prepare themselves to take this journey because they're afraid on some level. Curious and afraid at the same time. That's that's what we are as humans, right? We want to always, we have this desire to experience something bigger, greater, more, but we're afraid that we're going to screw up or something bad's going to happen or whatever. So this is why when people have psychedelic journeys, they go with shamans, stuff like that. I think a good, I think to sum that up, a good person, if you want to find a good leader, is a person that's trying to make other leaders, right? So a person that is, if you're going out of body, this person's teaching you like a father or I would say in a, like a parental way, hey, I'm not always going to be around. This is what you do if you, you know, if you go about this, not so much a dependence upon that person, if that makes any sense, you know. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's where some of the danger is with going about it with a uh, a group of people that you might not know very well or may not have your best interest in mind, right? Which is why you have to walk into that with a, a great deal of care. Now, let me pause for one second. I'm hearing, I'm hearing like a feedback when I'm talking, like I'm hearing it coming through your end somehow. Let me check it. Maybe it's an audio setting that you can change. Or... It's mine. I fixed it. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, I'm not hearing myself now. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're back now. But yeah, it definitely feels like there are dangers either way going about it. But maybe the, you know, the mundane, every ordinary, you know, street sort of knowledge that people acquire to 
be careful who you trust, right? I mean, that that takes you pretty far. But where I think a lot of people might start to generate fear is the part where you go out of body. Like, you know, we've heard stories of like DMT jesters and clown Nephilims and all this other stuff. And I'm like, hmm, who's waiting on the other side when you leave your body? I've, I've had a couple experiences that I could maybe call out-of-body experiences. They're very brief. And and as a martial artist and a wrestler, I definitely felt like there were points in matches or in sparring matches where I would kind of black out and, and not remember what happened. And I don't know if that was going out of body or not, you know, <laughs> the bird's eye view on what my physical body was doing. But let's get into that. Well, what you want to do is the whole idea behind this process is to be aware as you come out of body, right? So the best way to do that is to be awake and relaxed enough and put yourself in a position to where in a, a state of consciousness that you, you don't fall asleep. You take yourself to that hypnagogic level, but your mind and your energy is at a, is at a place where you won't fall asleep but you allow your body to go ahead and fall asleep and you let your consciousness take over. Right. We, if you can do this process, this peeling yourself out of body while you're awake, you'll never be the same again. You'll never be the same again. And you'll, you know, when you talk to somebody that hasn't experienced it, because they talk about, well, I think I was out of body or maybe this happened. Or when I was asleep, I felt myself rising, which we do. That happens sometimes. Like we'll be in a dream and we'll feel this weird vibration or we'll feel our legs lift up or we'll, we'll feel ourselves kind of float up. And that, that's a part of the process. But our, our mind is still asleep because it's still caught in that dream state. Now, you know, I remember, and this hasn't happened within the past few years, but when I was younger and I slept alone, I I would have this feeling sometimes when going to sleep of like, almost like my body was expanding, like this expanding yeah. feeling. And I wonder if that's what you're describing. Like if I had kind of like, I don't know, latched into that feeling or became more aware of it, I guess, or, you know, once somebody starts to experience that, what, what are the, what can they do to kind of lean into it? Well, as a child, a lot of stuff was going to happen to you because you're, for me, it was like roller coasters and I felt like I was being slung around or I would start flying and all of a sudden I'd lose control for other people. It's expansion. So I think a lot, I think a lot of this has to do with our certain individual consciousness too, how it happens, right? So as we get older, we're taught by our parents about life, about how to think, right? They teach us how to think. They help us put up walls in our consciousness. They do all of these things for us as we meet each trauma as we get older, right? So each thing that scares us or each traumatic event, there's someone there should be to guide you to stop it. But when we get older as adults, we have to open that childlike consciousness back up with a bit of understanding and control right that's based and we should do this based on science right so and i hate that i because i'm not a scientist at all but i'm not polar about it either right so we should do this based on people that have really pushed the boundaries and experimented with it in a scientific method 
right? So they cut out variables and they do all this stuff because we don't have the answers, right? The only thing that I've known that anybody has close to the answers as far as levels are concerned or parallels or anything like that would be the Kabbalist and the Hermeticist right? as we travel these conscious worlds. So Robert Monroe and his group did this quite thoroughly, I would say. They took scientists and people of all kinds of different, you know, types and they even worked with the government a little bit. We know that too. So, but I think if you take, there's a few people, right? Like I have some meditations that can help you get to the vibratory state, but I'm, these aren't my original ideas. Everything that I've taken from these meditations, I've learned from William Buellman, Robert Monroe, and any hermetic teacher that I've ever come across and blended them together to try to make something that I thought was a parallel to bring people out of body. But you can definitely get out of body while your mind is awake with Robert Monroe. You don't need to join a cult society or Robert Monroe and William Buellman for sure. So if you want to practice these things in a safe environment, I would, those are the two people I recommend to listen to by their books, by their programs do what they're teaching because they're genuine and solid. They're not just trying to sell you something or become an authority figure and make money. They're, these are not these type of people, right? They really are into this process. Well, and from what I've read in this book I showed you before we started recording, it seems like this kind of thing can happen to people spontaneously in Absolutely, situations yeah. where maybe they, they hadn't been aware of this ability prior here's a, a quick little story it says an inmate in prison decided to blunt the ragged edges of his loneliness by taking an afternoon nap i had one wild trip he writes you see i am very much in love with this lady and she with me but we are apart for two reasons one i am here two she is married and lives in idaho but this one day I went to sleep and dreamed that I was there. I saw that she lived in an upstairs apartment and I could see that it was raining very hard. It was so real that I kept trying to talk to her, but she just went about her business doing housework. Then I was outside and saw her girl coming home from school in the rain on her bike. I saw the girl fall off her bike and hurt herself. I tried to help the girl, but I could not. That is when I woke up. Later, I got a letter from my lady written on the day I had my dream. She told me that her little girl fell off her bike and that she took her to the doctor. So I wrote back and asked her what the weather was like the day she fell, and she wrote back and said it was raining. Plus, she wanted to know how I knew she lived in an upstairs apartment. I have never been to Idaho in my life. So here's a guy who thought he was dreaming and picked up on all of this information. And it seems like what I gathered from that little story there is that his heart energy might have played a role in that. What do you think about that? Uh, absolutely. You're, absolutely. So what he's talking about happened to Robert Monroe and myself a few times, right? And the way he's describing it is real. So our desire bodies and our emotional bodies and our heart have everything to do with what is going to not only happen, not only our energy, but what the direction of our manifestations go, right? So if he's, ex naturally, if you look at hermetic law, if he's ex exploring his consciousness and he's vibrating love and affection and a desire to a focal point, 
and he's exploring. I don't know. Did you say he was trying to get out of body or it just spontaneously happened? Right. Yeah. He was an inmate. It took a nap. So I, I mean, yeah, had no so other choice to a relaxed state good enough while his mind was still awake. And it's, it's almost like your emotions and your desire. Let's say your heart, if you want to look at it that way, is like the rocket ship that takes you there. Right. So if, this is why I don't think we should cut this stuff off. And this is why hermetically and magically we look at all these elements on an equal ground, right? The mind, the body, the, you know, the emotions, all that stuff, our passions and desires. And the more we balance them, the more we can focus them. I think that's a real, what you just told me, the only way that that would be a lie or that it wouldn't be real is if they got read Robert Monroe's books, right? And then repeated exactly what happened to him and made it a real thing. I don't think the guy's lying because it just sounds like, that sounds exactly like something that happened to me, you know? Tell me about it. What happened? Well, mine was the same kind of thing. Like I was talking to somebody that I was interested in at the time and I had a really great connection with, you know, and they were also with somebody else, right? They were trying to get away or get out of that relationship or whatever, but we became really good friends and connected. And they worked in the surgical field, right? And so I just passed out of my desk because I was in front of the computer all the time. I wasn't trying to get out of body or anything. I just passed out of my desk. And as I started to kind of nod off, I see all these people like in scrubs and teal scrubs and, I see all these like teal Tupperware bins and I see this dude grab like a, a, a gurney, I guess a stretcher, whatever you call it in the hospital. And he takes a big wide step and pulls like a patient, you know, cause he's a tall guy. So he takes a wide step and turns the cart. Right. And I wake up and it all happened like that. Right. And it didn't dawn on me. I was just talking to her and she was like, well, I got to go to work. So I, I, before I passed out, she told me she had to go to work. Yeah, I'm hearing a little feedback now, too. That's weird. Huh. That might be my um, fault. I just clicked something off. But anyways, where was I going with that? So You're I didn't still realize reading. at the moment that my consciousness has, had traveled to where she was for that split second until later I put it all together. And I started asking her questions just like this guy did as to what I saw. I didn't assume it. Right. I just said, Hey, what were you wearing? Do you guys ever work around like bins? What color are they? Were they all in these cages and stuff like that? And she's like, yeah, why? Why? I said, I saw it. I saw everything. I saw the guy that turned, took a wide step and turned. And she told me who that guy was, the guy that she worked with, you know? And I was like, yeah, this is, this is trippy. And so we started experimenting out of body stuff together. Like we would come out of body. Sometimes we'd be blind and we just experimented with it together right after that. But I think what this guy is telling you is, is hundred percent legit. Wow. Yeah. And you know, for total transparency, this story comes from mind through space and time by Brad Steger with Loring G Williams and it's interesting you just mentioned that story that took place in a hospital because the next part of this chapter tells some stories about people who went out of body during surgery, which 
that that checks out. I'm almost certain that my grandfather, who's now passed away when he was younger, had a heart attack and went out of body and he went to heaven. He thought he died. <laughs> you know, he's a Catholic, went to church every Sunday of his life pretty much. And uh, yeah, he, he thought he went to heaven and, and obviously came back to live, you know, some more. But people, you know, obviously I was too young to know this, but people in my family said that, oh yeah, Pepe was different after that. You know, he's a, <laughs> a lot jollier after that heart attack. So it's interesting, you know, maybe different circumstances there. I don't know if he was in the hospital when he had the heart attack, but, but yeah, people going out of body during surgery, during moments of pain and even near death experiences, these are all accounted for. There's hundreds of cases of them. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. that's the only thing that's never happened to me. Like you said that you did martial arts and kind of passed out. Well, I did mixed martial arts, right? I've been knocked out, choked out, all kinds of different stuff. I don't ever remember. See, this is this is what I think kind of scares people because when we go unconscious, it's just like when we sleep. We wake up and eight hours have passed or whatever. We don't remember anything, right? And so that feeling kind of freaks us out. It makes us wonder, well, is there life after death? Because I just experienced a nothingness, right? Like, and if I can experience a nothingness, then what happens when my body dies and I go completely unconscious, you know? So, so some of the people that are experiment with the out of body things still kind of wonder there's, they still kind of wonder, well, is there life after death? Because maybe this is only happening because my body's attached to it or something like that. But I, I personally believe there's too many near death experiences or people that have died and came back for that to be something that we should be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, how this sort of ability was treated in the past, the ancient past, because it does feel like this is something that is like privileged information. Obviously, it's kept secret for certain reasons, probably to preserve the knowledge in some cases, maybe to keep certain bad people from being able to do this but we have stories from all over the world of sorcerers and wizards and people go, being able to you know put curses and do bad things to people and i wonder if this is a part of it you know having the ability to go out of body i imagine you know you you might learn how to interact with the normal world let's say from that realm because it seems like from the story we just read that other than information gathering he really didn't have any impact on the surroundings but what do you think of that i mean is is it possible to get to a point where you can start to interact so to speak with your surroundings or cause changes from the astral body in the waking normal causal world Ah, see, now we're getting into the real stuff. See, what you're asking specifically is what why a lot of people get into the occult to begin with, right? Because they want to be able to do and perform supernatural things, whether it's a manifestation or what, or this kind of stuff. They just don't say that. But when you, most people won't tell you that they want more power than they have. And it's okay. It's just like a kid that wants to play anyways. We don't have to get into that. But so, this is a real thing 
So Dr. Stelionis Ateshlis described the out-of-body experience as he called it eczematosis, where he used to travel with his grandchild and stuff, right? And they would go, they would even go in the ocean and look at animals and come back and talk about it. But which I, I found very interesting, but he gets into this, this talk about affecting the physical world. And I'll tell you in a minute how I did the same thing. I affected the physical world out of body. Right. So sometimes when people would doubt him, he would play with them. So he would move things on their dresser and stuff. Like he did this to a friend of his where he moved a knife on a dresser just to kind of spook him a little bit to mess with him. And, and, but Dr. Stelianus Ateshlis was like a mystic person too. So he did everything in playfulness, right? And not to freak anybody out or anything. I myself, after listening to Monroe's books about how he had talked about pension people and stuff like that, I thought, well, I, it can't hurt. So one day, as, this wasn't too long after I had my first like full blown peeling out of body experience, I decided I was going to do this. And so I peeled myself out of body. I started getting a little bit better at it. And I was on the couch at my dad's house. And my son was in the back room playing video games on the computer, which is a favorite pastime of his still to this day. And so I got up and I started moving around, but I started to become a little bit excited. And when you do that, you'll, your consciousness will slip a little bit. So I started seeing a different reality coming in. I don't know if it was a dream but I could see the physical world as it was. And then like some other world coming through. And I'm thinking I, for some reason, my gut, I told myself, I'm like, I'm slipping into a dream state. I got to hurry up. Right. So I went back to where my son was and he's playing video games and I stood behind him. Right. And I knocked on the, like the desk where he's playing. I went like that, just like that. And I saw his head look, like that. And then he just kept playing video games. So I went to my dad's room where he was and my dad was asleep. And here's another cool thing that happens when you're out of body. You can talk to people when they're asleep and their sleeping personality will talk back to you, but they don't remember it. Right. Or they're not even attached to it. Maybe it's a projection of your mind. I don't know. But I got, I walked up to my dad while he's asleep and I'm like, dad, I did it. Cause I talked to them about it all the time. Right. I'm like, I did, I'm out of body right now, right now I'm out of body, you know? And he's like, yeah, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just standing here. And he goes, wow. You know? <laughs> like it was like, he's being sarcastic. Right. And I was like, what, whatever. So I went back and I woke up and I, I went and talked to my son. I said, son, do you play in video game? I didn't assume anything again. You can't do, if you want to experiment with this, you can't project, right? You just have to ask. So I was like, what are you doing? He said, playing video games. I said, did you hear anybody knocking at the door? And he was like, I thought I heard a knock, but it sounded like it was on my desk, but I didn't, you know, it couldn't have been the door. He goes, is somebody at the door? And I was like, no, that was me. And he's like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about that out of body stuff again? Right. And then, so I talked to my dad about me talking to him while he was asleep. And he was like, I don't remember talking to you or any of that. He goes, sounds like something I'd say. <laughs> so a part of me was like, okay, well, the physical re interaction is real. But talking to these sleeping person, a person while they're asleep, while they're unconscious, either one, they don't, they have, they don't know or remember or two, my mind projected that personality onto him. I guess, know? I guess you would have to 
do that, try that with someone who has maybe the same ability as you, but that's so funny. Our families think our, we're crazy even in the astral realm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was like, well, he's like, oh, you're out of body. Like he never, my dad never gets excited about right. anything. Oh, I, I could totally relate. I, yeah, that's so, I don't know. That's so much like my dad in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> he, would, now, he would probably do the same the thing. thing too, that the, the whole time, neither one of them really knew what I was doing because I was in the shack in Arkansas, neither one of them really knew that I had like, I was performing ceremonial magic on a daily process, a daily basis too. Right. I had my own temple behind the, the radio studio. Right. Like a full fledged golden dawn temple oh, you know, yeah. that I built. Wow. So, but yeah, I think I always tell these long ass stories. No, I that's... think you can definitely affect the physical realm. It comes again. You have to have the emotional desire and curiosity a fire, like a curiosity that's built with fire, if that makes any sense, to get to these places to explore them, you know? I think I know exactly what you mean. I mean, part of what I was trying to describe before with the martial arts experience almost felt like an uncomfortability, like where you're like vibrating at such a level that it's almost like uncomfortable. Like, it's like there's yeah. too much energy. And in my experience, I guess in hindsight, it seemed like maybe it was because I didn't know what the next step was. So I just endured that uncomfortability and moved on. But I've, I've had numerous, like, stand up too soon and feel like I'm going to pass out moments. And I think I usually, like, chalked it up to that. But now that I'm really looking back, I wonder if... You know, being that's in that situation. Blood pressure. Well, that is, yeah, that's exactly what that is. But I mean, yeah. geez, it's quite a, a difference once I stand up, but in, in pressure. But yeah, with martial arts, it did feel like, you know, you, you generate a lot of energy throughout a training session. And yeah, I wonder if that's part of, you know, the process. Like you said, relaxing can do this, but if people are experiencing this in moments of trauma or pain, I wonder if this, the inverse is true. Like, you know? Yeah. I think what you're saying there is if you get too energetic, see, and this is, this is maybe why like the elves and the machine elves and all these different people that have said, don't give into astonishment. Mm. Don't get too amped up. Right. Don't, don't give into a certain feeling, anything that pulls you out of balance think about it right like in our bodies if we get really amped up we over amp or we pass out or our blood pressure goes from our one to whatever we black out we don't experience anything but if we're relaxed and i don't I, and if we're relaxing we kind of balance ourselves in a balanced way just like when the left and the right hemisphere of the brain come together in hemisync when we balance ourselves in a balanced way we tend to be able to do all kinds of cool things that we can put our will into consciously, right? So a psychedelic, we're at the will of the medicine, right? When we balance ourselves and learn to really balance ourselves, the elements in ourselves, and we start to understand this Kundalini force, what it really is, all right? We can put our will into our conscious exploration. Now this comes in the form of conscious exploration, love, all kinds of things we could get into, but I want to stay 
for where you're talking about for a minute. I think it just comes back to like, we got to stop telling ourselves just because we're reading books and talking that we know the answers or this is what this is. We have to go explore it and then come back and talk about our experiences, man. And then go again and again and again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so foreign to me. I mean, I've had some pretty wild dreams. I've lucid dreamed once thanks to mugwort, which I don't recommend people try that. If you are going to try it, maybe do it with tea. I smoked it and tasted like I was smoking like <laughs> dryer sheets or something. It was terrible. That freaks me out, man. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was not the best smoking experience, but I definitely had like one very lucid dream that night and then anytime I smoked it after it was like a it was like I broke my tolerance for it and I could never get there again but after that I became really fascinated with all this because I was like oh it's real you know I mean compared to the psychedelics I've done lucid dreaming is what people seem to describe when you're new to psychedelics like you think psychedelics are going to be like this and they really aren't i mean you, you might take enough to where you go out of body but i've never had that kind of experience but i wonder you know how you done much dmt before no and I, you know people have encouraged me after talking to rick strassman and other people on the, the podcast they're like oh well you should try it why just talk about it but yeah, I still haven't. Yeah. It's a different kind of out-of-body experience. I think it's not it's not the same as being in this controlled out-of-body process that we talk about a lot. This well, and I'm just going to call it the Monroe method of out-of-body stuff, right? Because it, it would essentially boils down to that. And if you talk about the where well, you're talking about the ancient books and all this stuff before We've been doing this stuff since the beginning of time. Even if you pick up the Bible, there are several verses where it's like, oh, I saw this vision, but whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And no one in church is like, what is he talking about in the body or out of the body? There's no kid raising their hand going, is he dead or is he alive? Like, and people are like, if they did, the preacher would be like, no, hush now. We got a different message to say today. You know, like right. this stuff has been happening forever right. and ever. Well, and I, I guess I brought the drug aspect up. I'm glad you said that. But I brought the drug aspect up because people often feel a sense of time difference, right? Time does not quite feel the same. Maybe like two hours feels like eight or eight hours feels like two. Maybe it goes, there's many variations. But when it comes to out of the body experiences sober what is time like this time change are you still kind of experiencing time the same way you would with waking consciousness or oh, is that's it a good question yeah yeah see that's a whole other set of experiments as a void walker you want to that's a whole other set of experiments so here's i'll give you one example right one example is i'm out of body I need to, or one side of this is I'm out of body. I need to be effective with what time I have because there's this pull that's trying to pull me back to the body all the time. It's some kind of weird magnetic pull that I can't seem to shake. So I need to stay focused and balanced and time goes by really fast when you're doing that. Right. You may even like come back and you realize 10, 15 minutes has passed or three 
but while you're there, everything is like imminent and, and focused, right? And what I mean by that is it's not like a heightened focus, but a relaxed, balanced, chill focus, right? And then there's another thing that happens, which is like false awakenings where you get stuck in dreams or whatever, or there is people that experience time slips. I think Monroe talked about one where he was, he, he didn't think he was going to get back to his body. And this three or four hours later, he went and lived this whole other life through some kind of wormhole that he went to and then was struggling to get back to his body and then realized that three hours had passed. So this, Oh, who else was it that I saw do this? If you want to go down the, which I'll try to stay away from the psychedelics. I keep those as a separate thing sometimes, but Ari Shafir has a video where he smoked some saliva, saliva. What is it? Salvia? Yeah. Right. Salvia. Yeah. <laughs> and saliva. And I've, I've never smoked that stuff because people just sit there and drool on themselves. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But he like, he came back and said that he lived a whole like two weeks and it was like a freaking... I think uh, it was more than that. I think He said he yeah, like was, raised a whole a family time. under the ocean. He, he said he went to like an under the ocean world and he had like a whole family there and came back and it was only like tw- 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was... And he was... The whole time that he was experiencing that, his body was here on the table going, oh, I'm okay. Help me. Help me. Help me. I remember watching the video. He's just flipping out. Right. Right. Flopping on the table and they're like, all right, all right, all right. And he's like, help me. Help me. But then he comes back and it's like three minutes he went through this thing. He comes back and it's like been a month or something, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he's like, and you were there and you were there like some kind of Wizard of Oz thing, you know? We got to put that. I think I'm going to find the recording of that and put that in the that, episode yeah. for the Patreon people as like a bonus yeah. at the end of the episode. But yeah, that is, I've heard that story, him retelling it, but I've never seen the actual, like, I'd love to hear what he says immediately after he kind of gets lucid again. Cause yeah, I, I think Carlwood on the higher side chats, he's had an interesting salvia experience too. When he was younger, he, he smoked salvia. I don't know if we talked about that on this show or if he mentioned that on his own show, but yeah, I'm sure people can find that just by listening to his show. But I I had a big interest in salvia because reading Carlos Castaneda's work, they talk about salvia as this sort of mystical power totem. You know, it's like up there with, you know, peyote and some other plants, (laughs) right? Like as this like a powerful medicine. Doesn't make you wonder like if it, it just depends on the person's consciousness as they go in, right? Well, go watch some, go watch some videos of people smoking salvia right right some people will be like chill and relaxed and they're like going on this journey you know and then other people are just sit there and be like yeah well, and just jump out their window themselves. too there was yeah. one youtube video where a guy's on a couch and he turns around and jumps out his second story window <laughs> yeah. out of his living room and it's like yeah okay maybe have a, a helper with you for those kind of trips but yeah i imagine that you know the natural setting you probably would have less anxiety and less opportunity depending on where you were to hurt yourself you know if you're in some like meadow or forest you know (laughs) i think a lot of it comes down to which is why i try to stick to the the just the regular obe stuff a lot of it comes down to our psychology right our consciousness like how big like some people are just natural at letting go 
and just going with the flow and experiencing the ride. And, and some people can do that, but when they're in the state of a, when they're under the will of a medicine, right, they can't. And so what you see, I think psychologically is when they're drooling on themselves or twitching is they're unconsciously at the deepest parts of them are fighting this, whatever's happening, you know, and then it causes their bodies to do all kinds of stuff. Right. I, I'm kind of like that person, honestly, like I don't, I want to be able to guide my own journey. I have, a, I've always had a hard time letting go, which is kind of why I decided, okay, I'm going to do DMT because I heard you don't have any choice, you know? You just don't have any choice. You can't, it's not going to let you even try to fight it. So, and you've done, you've done DMT. Yeah. What was that like? Well, naturally as a control freak, right. As I was smoking this thing and taking the, the hits on the second hit, it's tasted like tire rubber. It was so terrible tasting, man. And on the second hit, I started feeling myself slip. Just, it's hard to explain. Like I'm slipping. And it ain't, there's nothing I could do about it. And they're like, here, take a third hit, take a third hit. And I, I should have, but I didn't. Right. Because I, I had got to the edge and I was like, no, no. So I leaned back and I stayed at this edge and this edge was like, it, it just, it's almost, it's hard to explain. It felt like I was about to go somewhere, but I didn't, but my body definitely, I wasn't, I couldn't move. It put me in a, a very sedative state. Uh, even physically, you know. Yeah. And your, your thought was, well, I want to try this cause it's going to take control of me. I wonder if that had but something still to do with I still it. Yeah. It. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've never done that. I've had my experiences with other psychedelics, but never DMT. And yeah, from what I've learned from certain people, it definitely has given me more caution about it. But then again, those people, hey, maybe that's their opinion or maybe they're paranoid. Maybe they've given in to fear. There's so many ways to go about it. So I'll stay open-minded to it for those folks out there who want to see me do it. But Because there were a few people in the comments that were like, yeah, try it, Mark. We, we want you to try it. So we'll see what happens. But ayahuasca, salvia, peyote, I mean, these are all more, in my opinion, natural ways to, to do DMT. But who knows? There, you know, certain DMT is extracted from roses, I hear, rosewood or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound all that bad. But on, on to the point of, like, time and, you know, time, how you experience it. Is something like time travel possible when you go out of the body? Can you like figure out how to get to maybe the time you were born or maybe before that or in the future Man. even? So there's only one guy that I've I've heard talk about that. And I think this guy was an advanced level mystic for sure. Daskalos, right? Or Dr. Stelionis Ateshlis, okay? The Christian mystic, this guy that teaches this esoteric form of Christianity that he claims that the tree of life and all of this stuff go back to Egypt and all of this stuff has been handed down through the Essenes, etc. He claims to be able to do that. So he even has books where he talks about going back in time and actually seeing uh, Yahshua or who we call Jesus and what really happened to him and all this stuff. Now, I think it's possible because I thought the out-of-body experience was impossible. So it's only possible to me because someone that has valid 
teachings in my mind about certain things are telling me this. My intuition is telling me that it's real, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. Like until I experience it, that's the whole void walking kind of philosophy that I take into this, you know, Mm. but uh, what do you think of that? I don't, I don't know. I think, I think the mind is a imaginative thing, Mm. honestly, not, you know, I'm I'm not saying the guy's full of crap or whatever, but I did a a past life regression live on the air, man, through Daniel Alexa. He was pretty impressive. Actually, his whole hypnot, his whole hip, whole hypnotic method that put me under, but he didn't record that part. He recorded the part where he was asking me questions and I can only tell you this, like under that thing, my, when he asked me a question, my consciousness felt like I was pressed to answer, Huh? but also I couldn't answer in a way that didn't feel real. But that doesn't mean that my mind wasn't making up certain things either. Like I was in a state of consciousness where I couldn't tell you for certain that it was real or if my mind was making it up. And some of that stuff I don't even remember, to be honest with you. But most of it I kind of do. So hypnotic regression is an interesting thing. I'm actually trying to attend a school in hypnotism to learn more about it because it's interesting to me. But I do think a lot of times we can project fantasies and desires and all kinds of complex things that are under our consciousness into stories, into people, into all kinds of different things that aren't real. Right. What, for whatever that word real means, they're not tangible. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, and oftentimes when I've heard past life theories or hypothesis there's a level of fantasy that makes them hard to believe you know everybody's cleopatra or somebody important you know no no one ever has a past life regression of being like a, a random farmer you know and i'm sure that's just the sensational stuff that gets to like coast to coast FM or whatever, but sure. I, I haven't heard many that are all that convincing. So yeah. It's- well, I'll give you an example of con- of consciousness, right? Like let's say, have you ever, and this is how to understand, I think what happens during a past life regression is like, have you ever cared about somebody or was involved with somebody that put projections or fan- fantasy projections upon you, right? Like things that weren't, real about you or just real in general, right? But this is how they saw you or this is how they projected things onto you or this is a deep-rooted desire that they were pushing onto you, whether it's good or bad, whether they had a trauma thing they wanted to deal with with you or they were pushing some kind of fantasy onto you. And it's kind of frustrating when you care about somebody and they're doing that. But we all do this consciously, right? So when someone takes us under in a hypnotic regression, Right. And they're asking us these questions. Our consciousness is telling ourselves, well, I'm at the, you know, I'm, I'm under. Right. And this guy's taking me to this person is taking me to this place that's under. So I have to answer. And I think a lot of times, and this is only based on my own experience, it could be real, some of it, but I think it gets mixed in with like fantasies, desires, traumas, like deep psychological stuff that we don't, 
know how to deal with. So we play out through stories sometimes. Right. Yeah. But then again, I don't know enough about it yet. That's just, this is just like my intuition. Right. Based on this. Right. So there, and I don't want to take anything away from anyone that that's really had a real regression. So I don't know enough about it. It's an interesting subject though. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my apologies to anyone who has, I mean, I'm critical only because I haven't seen any evidence, but uh, hey. It should be critical. That's my whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a subject that deserves more examination for sure. But yeah, this book seems to have a ton of stories in it. I hate that I just picked up one that that was so lengthy. Here's a 10 cent coupon for a complete illustrated book of the psychic sciences. Jeez, I wonder. Inside that book? Yeah. that, That was in there? Yeah, yeah, I wonder if it says a year, what year this is. Nope, doesn't say a year on it. No date, but look at that. Look at all. 10 cents, yeah, buddy. That's not a, that's not jack nowadays, is it? <laughs> yeah, the Universe Book Club, Garden City, New York. Huh, fascinating. But yeah, this is, again, Brad Steger, Minds Through Space and Time. I have a ton of Brad Steger's books. They're really great stuff. Now, here's where maybe we can get into some of the darker aspects of this. I've heard you tell a story and I'd like you to repeat that story. If you can, if you remember it, where somebody was attempting to reach an enlightened state, possibly ascend, and they never made it back. Their friends found them in a certain state. I don't want to tell the whole story, but you probably know what story I'm thinking of. But what can go wrong with out-of-body experiences? Can people die in their astral body and that affects them in the physical? Well, this is a question that, here's the paradox of this question. Hmm. Like, if they can, we're not going to know. right? And I'll tell you what, what I mean by that. Like, So there's this podcast called Mysterious Universe that I listened to, and they told the story. So... I don't know what episode it is, but if your listeners can find it, it's an interesting story. Some guy was in a similar situation that I'm in. He lived in a house with some roommates. Like, I have three roommates right now. He told his roommates that he was going to go practice some out-of-body stuff. Right. Went to his room, didn't come out for a while. They went to check on him, and he died in his sleep. But he died in a meditative state, like his hands and everything were in this meditative state. It pretty much shows that he went out of body and didn't come back. Like he passed away. Most people like Monroe and other people I've talked to will tell you that it's not dangerous. You're not ever going to like get or die or not come back to your body. Well, how does anybody know that the dead can't come back and tell us what happened? You know, and if you and if you tell this guy that this supposedly happened to, he's dead. So we don't know what happened, right? Like, we only hear the stories of everybody that comes back, right? And if you listen to some of Monroe's books, all I would, if if you're interested in the subject and you haven't listened or read all three of Robert Monroe's books and really got into them, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should start there, right? But he struggled to get back to his body a couple times, or at least he felt like he was struggling. So I think in my opinion, the logical thing that we should all tell ourselves in conscious exploration is better safe than sorry. Right? So yes, I have the courage to do this, 
but I need to put myself in a setting and in a state of mind and an understanding that it is possible, just like anything is possible, that I might not come back. I mean, to tell ourselves the reason why most people tell themselves, oh, nothing's going to happen or anything like that, everything's cool, is because they want to calm themselves down and they want to feel confident about it to have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just like when we, let's say, like when we go cliff jumping or whatever, right? And we jump off a 60-foot cliff and the water's plenty deep and as long as we don't flap about and we stay pretty straight, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, anything could happen that we're, we're not aware of. There could be something in the water we don't see. We may not hit the water right. We could slip on the way to jump. Right. Like, so my whole point with that is, that's kind of a mundane point is, is if people do leave the body and they don't come back, obviously we don't know. But this was a, this was a very compelling story to show that somebody left their body while practicing OBE stuff and didn't come back. And how many people die in their sleep? How many people die and they go, well, they just died in their sleep. It's natural causes. Nobody really knows why. Right. Yeah. You know? Wow. And that adds a whole nother dimension of understanding to it. Cause as you just put it, yeah, most people just chalk it up to natural causes, whatever that means. You go, Hey, maybe it's supernatural causes. Maybe we need to branch that definition out. But uh, here's another question so, sort of related. In, in Carlos Castaneda's book, he talks about how plants can be like allies and maybe even allies in the sense of getting us in and out of the astral realm. And I'm wondering on that note, is it possible to have like an entourage in the astral realm? You know, let's say you have like a helper spirit or like a friend in the astral realm who follows you in your physical realm. And, you know, we, we've all met people who just seem to be dumb luck, you know, (laughs) just have dumb luck or things just work out for them. I've experienced moments of synchronicity and I start to wonder sometimes, like, do I have a, a helper? You know, do I have an angel on my shoulder or something like that, right? And I'm curious, it, you know, if you go into the astral realm or you go out of your body, can you interact with those beings? Yeah, man, that's a good question. So hermetically and in, 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 in the occult world, we all supposedly have a holy guardian angel. And then this holy guardian angel is really a part of us or our higher self or a a piece of consciousness that represents a higher version of us, which is why I love the occult and the OBE stuff. Cause there's so many, I guess you could call them parallelograms if you want to look at them in an, an uh, analogy. So when Robert Monroe went out of body and when other people have reported going out of body, when they really started to learn to explore further, as they would come into certain challenges, like he would have beings that would stick to him that he couldn't peel off or he would get into fights or stuff like that, just barriers in the astral realm. Some of them, they were scary. Beings would come and help him. Some of them were like hooded, like he didn't even know who they were or whatever. Later on, as you get into the books, just to make a long story short, you realize that these beings that were coming to help him were, were it was him. It was another higher version of of him that he wasn't aware of. Right. So it's kind of funny to me that both sides without communicating to each other, the occult world 
And the scientific conscious explorers of like Monroe and these people are having these experiences or discussing these things and they're happening. So to me, that tells me, yes, there's something to it. Right. There has to be. Right. Now, here's a quick question, maybe sort of out of left field, but can you look into a mirror when you're out of body? Dude, I haven't tried that. I think I tried that once and I forgot what happened. Hmm. But I, I, we should make a list. Like we should have like a Mark Steve's list of questions. What can you do when you're out of body? Right. And then have everybody go try to do it. Right. You know, well, and, I don't know. There's, there's something, there's gotta be something cool to that. Right. I would think. Well, and what's, what's the distinction between an out of body experience and a lucid dream? Would you consider those experiences similar enough to sort of overlap or are those completely different realms? Not completely different. Consciously the same. Okay. Consciously the same, but energetically, vibratorily different. Mm. Right. So consciously as in that I'm aware that my body's asleep. I'm aware of myself and you know, the who, what, where, when, why's and all that stuff. I'm aware that's a lucid dream. So I can fly and be Wolverine or whatever. Right. The, the OBE experience and you can always tell if someone's had one of these is I'm in my etheric body. I've, or I've peeled myself out. I've had a local experience here or I've, I'm witnessing myself sleeping, but my room is exactly the same. Or you might hear some people say there's a slight hum. I can feel this relaxed kind of slight hum sensation. And I, I saw myself sleeping. Right. So I can tell you that energetically, and I would say even a, a small bit consciously, they're two different things. But on an awareness level, they're not. On an awareness level, they're almost they're pretty close to the same. I think. Does that make sense, or am I complicating this? No, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know whether it makes sense or not because uh, you're the expert here. But I do. It. I mean, it makes enough. That, but <laughs> it makes enough I'm, sense for me to understand what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. I, th I think on an awareness level. Well. <sighs> Okay. So the OBE experience, you never you fall into a sleep state. You're awake the whole time. Mm -hmm. Your body falls asleep and you pull your etheric body out of your body, right? In a lucid dream, a lot of times you'll have to dream first and then come to the awareness that you're in a dream. Okay. So... But, but once both states are achieved to me, it's all the kind of the, it's all of like that awake state. Right. So when you read a lot of lucid dreaming books, they'll tell you while you're awake, flip on the light switch, ask right. yourself 10 times a day, whatever, like, am I awake? Am I asleep or whatever? Start training your mind to be lucid and asking questions all the time. Right. And the reason why they're doing that is because when you slip into a dream state, your consciousness shuts off and goes into another reality. So if your mind is trained to ask those questions, you'll wake yourself back up. Right. What I'm talking about with the OBE state is you never fall asleep. Hmm. Not totally. Just your body. Well, it seems like the difference is active versus passive. It's the same sort of results, but a different process to get there in, in a way. Yeah. And then it's, I don't know about the results are the same too, because here's the thing. If I'm in a dream there's a dream world, dude, that affects, right. that doesn't affect this physical reality. I have no idea what it is, where it is, but it's there. 
you know? Right. And then there's a world where like Mark is asleep and I'm asleep in the other room and I peel myself out of body and I kick your bed <laughs> while you're asleep. My etheric body does that. Right. Right. So it's more like you're still governed by the rules of physical, the physical world to some degree. Like you're, you can't just out of body, imagine a spaceship and then you're in one, right? You're still kind of confined to where you're at. But what, let's say you're home and you think to yourself out of body, I want to be in San Diego. Is it easy for your out of your, your astral body to get there in the physical world? Or would you have to get an astral plane ticket, so to speak? Well, that depends entirely upon, I hate answering questions like this, but <laughs> that depends entirely upon the person. Like for me, right. it, let's just say this is, this is what's so cool about the occult, the Kabbalah and the hermetic process of transformation, right? If you have underlying blocks in your consciousness, those are going to reveal themselves in the astral world. And this is a whole other topic, mm. but the astral world is really the world of illusory things because another part of your consciousness is trying to be born and wake up again. Mm. Okay. But just like this world is a little bit of illusory and we get into the whole thing of what is reality. So, I need to answer the question first before I tell the story, right? So, like, sometimes you have blocks that you can't go places. So, when I had my out-of-body experience, I could fly from tree to tree. I could knock on the desk, right? I could do all kinds of stuff. But then I told myself, I want to go to the moon. I want to take my astral body to the other side of the moon, which is people have reported they've done easily. I want to see the dark side of the moon. So I launch up and I start going, you know, I pull myself as if I'm on a zip line to the moon. That's the only way I can explain it is stretching and pulling. Right. So I'm stretching, trying to pull myself. Everything gets black. I see stars and it gets a little staticky and then bam, I'm back in my body. I'm awake. Now, why didn't I get there? One of the reasons why I didn't get there is because I have a transformative thing about me that likes to be around home. I feel safe around my son and my father and things that I care about. And it's the familiar world. But even though my, my consciousness was ready to go explore the dark side of the moon, there's a deeper underlying tra trauma or barrier there that wasn't ready. And this is a deeper, complicated subject. wasn't ready to be that perceptually far away from familiar things. So a block showed up. Now, someone that is doesn't have the same kind of underlying self-transformative or, or blocks or whatever you want to call them that need to be transformed. I'm saying a bunch of stupid words, but that has traveled the world, doesn't even have family, has always been a loner, whatever, or that stuff doesn't even bother them. Could say, I want to go to San Diego. And, you know, they're in San Diego, right? So wow. like in this, in this realm, who you are as a person affects your ability to, to do, see, travel and all this other stuff. Right. So the reason why, one of the biggest reasons why I think we're on this physical world, this physical realm is because our conscious bodies, when we're in these higher states or higher dimensions, the, the second we feel or think about something, it happens or it blocks us or whatever. Here in this dense physical world, we get to see, a, we get time between cause and effect so that we can learn lessons, mm. right? 
in this place, you got to be balanced. You got to be vibrating correctly. You got to have transformed some of these things or you're not going, it's, it's like a freaking video game. Right. Right. But when we come back to the physical world, I can say, you know, I, I don't know. I hate you, Mark. Right. And you'll, we get to think about it and talk about it. There's a slow, dense kind of thing that works itself out. But in the astral world, I might say that, and a destruction and chaos may happen or, you know, things start happening instantly based on how we feel. And I think that's why a lot of people think this place is a training ground for consciousness. And one of the reasons why we're in these bodies, because it slows down the cause and effect of everything, you know, so that we can kind of be little babies in this fishbowl and work ourselves out consciously. And every now and then we get to go out and try our consciousness in this astral realm. And, you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is really exciting me to get into this and nothing's stopping me. I have the Monroe books. I should have read those months ago. But what what I, I'm thinking next as far as questions go, oh, I hope the question doesn't escape me. What was I just thinking? Something about the out-of-body experience, of course. Um, it's a lot to think about. This is why I can never answer a, a question like yes no or this is what right. it is is because there's through my experience i've learned so much about this and i still have so many questions but my intuition is is telling me yeah hermetics yeah the occult kabbalah the out-of-body stuff vibration like all of it you know geometry like all the stuff is starting to come together in ways that i can't quite explain with my language yet well if that makes sense it, no, it's making total sense, and you're clicking a lot of buttons that needed to be pressed in my brain, so to speak. And I just remembered what I wanted to ask you, is this something that is connected to where you are? In other words, are there places in the earth where the energy facilitates this sort of out-of-body experience where otherwise maybe it'd be harder to slip into that state. Like maybe let's say you go to the top of a mountain or deep inside of a cave or really any place that, you know, people have gone for spiritual purposes. You know, do you think those places have a quality that makes it easier or almost act like a portal to slip into these realms? I want to believe in that. I do. And I think there's something real about that. Right. But I can tell you through my travels over the past few years, my mind and heart were focused on something else that took, that I was, let's just say I was working out. And I didn't get to experience the energy of these places like Sedona. I went to Shasta too. And I think it's not so much about how the environment affects us, but if we're not centered it doesn't gel with us. So just like the left and the right brain work together. If you're out of balance, when you come into a natural setting, you can't work together. Right. And in my life, the only time I was truly balanced to do this hardcore exploration was when I was at home in Arkansas. So I had to take this journey through the world and, you know, go after things that my heart desired and be let down and experience good things and be let down. So in this journey, 
I've visited places that have been had these claims, but they I never felt them or it never happened to me. And I think a lot of that has more to do with me than the place, mm. if that makes sense. Because there's too many reports of people just experiencing really cool stuff at these places. Right. You know? Now, this question, you know, maybe this is a little irresponsible of me to float this idea out there, but I'm very curious. Are there sort of like astral consequences for doing certain things? Like, let's say somebody wanted to become a criminal using their out-of-body experience talent, and they floated over into the bank, and they waited and watched somebody put in a code or something and got some information that helped them you know, do something criminal in the physical world. Are there, you know, astral barriers to those kind of things? Are there like, I don't know, police officers, so to speak, or like there, beings that police that kind of thing? There, that, that's a, I've always wondered that too. Now there, the, so hermetically the astral realm is the world of like, is the realm of blueprints, emotional blueprints and ideas and causes and things like that. So when it, so according to that, if we go there and we do things that are, let's just say unethical, well, those things have to manifest in the physical world somehow. And it usually does that through karma, right? Or it'll do that through something else. So if I go to the astral realm and, Let's say I'm some kind of pervert and peeping Tom, and I'm like, oh, I want to go look at this girl in there in the shower or whatever. And I've had people ask this stuff. There are things in that realm that won't let you do that, right? Like, or that you may get close, but because you didn't, and no one's going to believe me when I say this, but this is so true. But because your soul wasn't aligned with what your brain or your animal instincts or your, let's say, your criminal mind wanted to do you get a karmic effect in the physical world. Now down here, when we do unethical things, it has to go up the tree and then back down to us. Right? So usually, I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life when something shitty happens to you. Right. And you're like, I, I, I deserve that because I did this in my life. Right. Or I did that. Like, you know it, but to everything else, it's like a random coincidence. So in the astral realm, I think there are barriers, like if if people have certain types of protection over them, I think that there are barriers and boundaries and protective things and just blocks that aren't going to let you do certain things. But I also think there's a karmic effect for people that actually try to do those things too. Right. But I'm not so sure about all that. That's just based on my experience and intuition, you know. Well, and I think you make a great point about intention and like if you're intending on doing certain things, that might not even get you in the vibration necessary to be able to right. accomplish your said task on, at mind. So, yeah, because you never hear people go, yeah, like I want to go rob a bank or I want to go do this or that. And you read about it, right? You usually read about people like I want to visit my dead mother or I want to go to the moon right. or I want. I want to heal this or that and something will happen right now. What you will find in the astral realm are people that are stuck in their addictions. Mm. Uh, like Monroe talks about this. This is kind of graphic and adultish, but Monroe talks about this guy that he ran into. that was just stark naked and he was trying to like have sex with this girl over and over and over again. And the dude didn't know he was dead. Right. 
but because he he had some obsession or an addiction to this thing his desire body was so addicted his etherical body was stuck in like this purgatory kind of between worlds wow. people that smoke and drink or people that get stuck in trauma states like there's a part of our body and consciousness that gets stuck in between worlds that's a whole other show though right yeah. so I, I would think that like if we say if we understand this realm has these type of energies in in them and we want to do things that are not ethical i'm pretty sure it could come with some bad consequences right so absolutely yeah and you bring a whole new thought to what i've observed with certain funerals where the dead person is like kind of propped up in a situation where you know they would have been when they were still living i don't know if you've ever seen this before but sometimes people do that to their deceased living or deceased family members where they'll like have them seated at a, a de- you know a table playing cards or with a cigar in their hand yeah that's creepy dude and I, I wonder like you know if that's like along the same lines of like mummification and like giving people things in their coffins to have with them in the afterlife and like yeah, maybe if you leave a bunch of cigars in your coffin, your astral body's just sitting there trying to smoke them for eternity, and you can't, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, yeah. that's really really weird to think about, but it's funny how we can trap ourselves. Not funny, but, you know, we should be warned of how we could trap ourselves with these sort of addictions and why it's so important to, you know, leave a lead a healthy life. I mean, to put it very simply, I mean you know, mentally, physically, and spiritually. But uh, I know we got to wrap up soon, Joe. So before we go, why don't you give the audience an opportunity to hear about this really great program that you guys have with the Fringe FM, all about Egyptian magic and mysticism and anything else that you want to promote? Well, right now I'm working with the Magical Egypt crew like Chance and Venice, right? Who've, you know, been doing Magical Egypt since John Anthony West, whatever. They have a summit that's going to last all month. It's starting right now. And if you go to event.magicalegypt.com and you put in the code word fringe, you can get 10% off. They have tickets, 20 speakers. There's going to be like Laird Scranton, Lon Malo Duquette, John. Siraki, Chris Dunn, Gordon White, who we all know. Who else is going to be there? I mean, Venice and Chance are going to be speaking to Juana Kajawa, who I've had on the show. So there's going to be a lot of discussions about hermetics, the occult, the Kundalini, ancient Egyptian stuff. And it's all month long. Thomas Sheridan is going to be there, Peter Mark Adams, and a whole bunch of people. So it's it's kind of cool. It's not like you get a ticket and you go, to one event and it's over. I mean, it's all month long. So you get to go listen and speak and ask questions and interact. And so, yeah, just go to event.magicalegypt.com and put in the code word fringe and you'll get 10% off. And right now I'm doing some maintenance on the fringe website and the app, but yeah, I'm still getting it together, man. At fringe.fm is mainly where I think I'm going to be for the foreseeable future. I mean, I'm still doing lighting the void, but I'm pretty sure everything is going to be, Everything I'm doing is going to be at Fringe.fm. So. Right on. Well, that'll be shared in the description of this episode. So go check the links in the description, folks, and do support Fringe FM, support Joe Roop here. And until next time, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Thanks, Mark. 
In these wild and turbulent times, it takes a village to stay attuned to what matters most. But with social media locked down, the drone of hive minds buzzing in your ear, and the world around us rapidly degrading into madness, it can be harder than ever to find your tribe. Not anymore with Gulag America. You can attract like minds and build your tribe. You simply wear their premium cotton line of t-shirts to promote your values while looking great. Patriotism, liberty, and autonomy. These aren't merely words. These represent a way of life, and so does Gulag America. A way that's not afraid to stand up for what's right and what matters most. If you stand for freedom, stand boldly in your favorite selection of Gulag America's high-quality clothing. Let's get out of this gulag together. Use the promo code CRAZY10 to save 10% off at checkout. Go to gulagamerica.com to see their entire line of freedom-oriented clothing. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. This is the outro, of course, and you just listened to a great conversation with Joe Roop, who's been a friend of mine for quite a while. I got to know him early on into my podcasting uh, days, I guess you could say. He was a guest back on episode 144, and he's been on the show a couple times since. So be sure to go and follow up with him. Fringe FM is his radio station, and Lighting the Void is his show on that radio station. It's also a podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts. So just go and type in Lighting the Void, or go to fringe.fm and check out more. This podcast airs on Fringe FM, so... Isn't that cool? We are on the radio. Although I don't know that you hear the entire show because this show does go past uh, their limits, right? So sometimes the show can be anywhere from an hour to three hours long. And each time slot on the radio clock is like 45 minutes. So they might play like two 45-minute sections of the podcast. But either way, Pretty cool. Let's people hear the podcast uh, for the first time. Maybe they'd never heard it before until they listened on Fringe FM. If I am in need of a new pod, I usually go over to Fringe FM and see if they have any new shows on the air. Uh, it's also available on the internet, so you can stream it wherever you're listening to this, wherever. So, speaking of wherever, wherever you are in the United States, if you're in a legal state and you like to smoke weed or maybe you just smoke tobacco or you just smoke whatever you want uh, a hit kit is the best way to keep whatever you're smoking on safe and sound and I know I talk about the hit kit all the time folks but I really cannot uh, give enough kudos to this brand I mean not only does it fit with my lifestyle uh, Garrett is an awesome dude who listens to this podcast. He's a 
single owner and operator of the business. He's a small business owner in America. I mean, come on, folks. We got to support people like that. Not only can you get a custom hit kit with whatever design you want on it, but there are a dozen varieties of hit kits. If you want a basic plastic hit kit, you maybe uh, run a head shop or a smoke shop and you want to sell hit kits, there's a offer for you to get a bulk order of hit kits. I think that's a great idea. You can also get a uh, dube tube dispenser, which is awesome. I have one of those, even though I don't run a smoke shop. So yeah, use the promo code crazy and that'll work even if you're doing big orders. You can get 15% off at checkout with the promo code crazy and I cannot give enough kudos shout outs to the hit kit but of course we got to save some time for our patreon supporters shout out to the people whose patreon support did not lapse if your card lapsed out if it got declined you are no longer supporting the patreon there's at least 10 of you so go and check that out make sure you're still supporting the podcast And if you're not already supporting the podcast, sign up. We're trying to meet our goal of 250 supporters on Patreon, and then we will commit to doing in-person episodes at least once a month or whatever whatever you guys deem uh, best. I mean, once I have that many patrons, I'll be able to dedicate a lot more time to the podcast, and you will be the producers of the show. Just like they say on No Agenda, if you support the show, this is value for value, uh, you have some say as to what happens on the show. So let's say you've been waiting for me to interview this one guest that you love. Well, there's one concrete way to make sure I do that, and that's by signing up on the Patreon and sending me a message, right? I can only do so much because there's no guarantee that they'll want to talk to me whomever they may be but that is one avenue to suggest guests suggest styles of shows maybe you like something i've experimented with in the past and you want to see me do that again uh, i am open to it right now i'm going to be focusing a little bit on youtube and trying to create some small form content some content that doesn't take a long time to generate Maybe something like a 10, 15 minute clip just to get people into the show. I'm not quite sure yet, but if you're on YouTube or any other video streaming platform and you have some advice, hit me up and uh, yeah, let's talk. But if you want to support the show, become a producer of the show, sign up on Patreon, sign up on Rockfin, sign up on Substack. Those are all the ways you can support the show and of course get bonus content. So do that now and also you will get a shout out every time we get a new supporter i'm going to give you a shout out and every time we get a one-time donation i will give that person a shout out so please send in your one-time donations this is the best time of the year because support is at an all-time low and i get it i understand um people are traveling they're making the most of the last few weeks of summer Uh, and i shouldn't be disingenuous we have more patrons supporting us than we've ever had so support is at an all-time high 
but the one-time donations definitely slow down around this time of year. I understand, especially if you have kids, they're going back to school, so there's costs associated with that, and yeah, taking advantage of those last few warm weekends, I get it, so soak it up. I hope this show adds something to your life, wherever you are on the earth or wherever you are in the now, as I like to say, but I'm not ending the outro just yet. So yeah, I want to shout out all of our new supporters, and I'm waiting for this to load. I always wait for this to load on Patreon app when I should just go to the desktop because it's way faster. So I'm going to do that right now. Let's see. Newest supporter is Sam. Shout out to Sam D. Thank you so much, Sam, for signing up. And yeah, that's all we got right now. Of course, some people's payments got declined over the past uh, few days and or maybe they canceled, and that's okay. If you canceled, I get it. But uh, yeah, actually, only one person canceled. So yeah, let's uh, let's double check your cards, folks. Make sure that you're still signed up for the podcast. And until next time, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting this show. Thank you for tuning in and. It, Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review, and that's about it. Thanks, folks. Have a good day, wherever you are, in the now. Fuck up. Man, I think, I think I'm fucking peeking right now. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, my third eye's open and my chakras flowing. All seven channels in my spirit's flowing. Knowledge feeling deeper than the ocean. It's the eightfold path in the sacred lotus. Uh, I'm peeking, flipping through Akashic records. My ego's decomposing like a leper. I'm Edgar Casey going some levitation. So with zero hesitation as I jump into the spaceship. I'm weary from thinking like an earthling. While skyfish dip and dive above the earth circling. I'm spiraling, sacred geometry. Studying my old selves like it's anthropology. Honestly, feeling like life's a comedy. As big a game as a paper run economy. I've been playing safe, but safest for the weak or hard way. I'm peeking, tearing everything apart. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm beta testing old theta frequencies. I lay to rest the ego and the frequent themes That keep me seeing life inside a box Small minds kick rocks, Pandora let's talk uh, I might need a suture for this rift in space I might stay and see how Lucifer's fruit tastes I'm hungry for knowledge and hungry for infinite And every time I'm peeking I can see it for an instant I'm peeking through the curtain at the crowd 
Sheeps in their seats and the wolves on the prowl Zeitgeist, spirit form walking through the aisles Consumerism living in their vacant smiles uh, Now I'm peeking through the curtain at the sky High and even gotta try, gaining wisdom on the fly I'm touching base with things I can't explain Gods without names on a different plane Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit Certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait. Certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, wait, wait.